Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fan the Flames football podcast. I'm your host, Ben Reynolds, and this is a big show. There's a lot to talk about uh, just from the standpoint of what's happened this past month. I released the podcast of the interview between myself and Brylan Green, who's a freshman defensive back coming in this year. Super excited to see what he does and his career at Liberty, both in football and baseball. So that's the last time you heard from me, and it was a very brief interview, but I'm thankful for Brylan to come on and take some time out of his day as he was in summer workouts. And I'm excited to uh, continue that relationship with him, and we'll see where everything else goes when it comes to continuing to grab more interviews for players i've been working on trying to get a few different people but we'll get to that when we get to that but today's a big episode like we're talking about all the different commits that's happened this past month i'm going to give you guys a little bit of a uh not really evaluation but just kind of a little bit more insight on some of these players and where i could see them in the future maybe they'll end up being a four star or whatever a little bit of that idea and then also just kind of what are my thoughts on the overall start of this recruiting class and how how this has just started off with a bang. It's just it's the commitments that Liberty has gotten for the 2023 class is insane. It's 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 going to be a great class, and I keep hearing from uh, you know different people around the program and such uh, when it comes to you know whether it's beat writers like the Sea Red and such of just seeing. Twitter and people who love this program that this class could be really 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 good and I know that they're recruiting as the commitments they're recruiting a lot of other guys to make sure that they can come upon this program and if they've had you know a scholarship offer then they can join them and build a really strong class because I have a feeling that this class is going to be more high school heavy than transfer heavy you just never know when it comes to the end of the next season how many transfers are going to transfer in, transfer out with the transfer portal nowadays. But I feel like this class could be really special when it comes to having a lot of young guys that can come into Liberty and make either an immediate impact or an immediate impact in the very near future and develop and really turn this team into something that's just, you know, the whole thing with Malik and everything was just a start. Um, so, I mean, you know, this we're we're just kind of scratching the surface here. We're not we haven't even seen uh, this program at peak potential. Yeah, I, I don't even consider twenty twenty uh, its peak its peak potential under Hugh Freeze. So we're gonna get into that a little bit, and then I have a couple of game previews. The first two home, I mean, not two home games, first two games, which is at Southern Miss and then home against UAB early on in the season i'm going to have a kind of a brief overview and what these teams look like i've been studying them for quite a while now i know i posted a tweet probably i don't know a couple months ago that i was going to start doing this stuff and a lot of life things come along and then i had the interview with brylan and some other things and you know i just haven't got around to, to podcasting so i'm happy to be back i'm happy if you're here listening uh wherever you're at in your car whatever I'm just, I appreciate your, your viewership or 
uh, hearership <laughs> um, and just being as a listener. Uh, thank you. Um, if you're a Liberty fan and you know all the Liberty fans that don't know about this podcast, feel free to give it a share. If not, I completely understand. I'm just going to try to keep making uh, very high-quality podcasts as much as I can and continue to improve. I'm excited for this show. We're going to hop right into it. Uh, oh, yeah. One other thing. We're also going to address um, the UCLA-USC Big Ten move. That's going to be a separate podcast episode. Uh, and I'm also, I think I'm going to kick in the breakout player of the year episode. Um, that's going to be in this episode. So I'm going to talk about my breakout player of the year. This is just going to be offensive players. And then I'll have a defensive player for the next episode. Whenever I get around to that, along with probably the next two games would be Wake Forest and Akron. So I'm going to preview those games in the next episode as well. But not get too too far ahead of myself. Let's talk about the 2023 class, the verbal commitments that have already said this is who we're committed to now i will say not to be negative nancy we don't know where these recruits uh, how this is going to go out but from the start of it them getting a verbal commitment to us is it's it's huge uh getting ahead on this class you can tell hugh freeze has really been grinding uh and getting some of these guys and already working get ahead of this class because some of these guys already have incredible offers, and we'll get into that. Starting with Hank Brown, quarterback out of Lipscomb Academy in the Nashville, Tennessee area. He's a three-star recruit, 6'4 and 195. I think he's a future four-star. Right now, he's a three-star because he was a backup. I think he can really promote himself and become a four-star because last year, you know, he, he was backup. And then he will be able to have a full-time start of this year and get all the, if not all the snaps, if not the majority. And he already has, you know, four or five really good offers, starting with Illinois, Minnesota, Pitt, and Vandy. You know, talking about an ACC school in Pitt, two Big Ten schools, and not too far Vandy. Uh, I guess, though, now that I'm reading, the, Vandy didn't offer him. So I lied. Vandy did not get offer him, which is insane. <laughs> Vandy, I mean, doesn't really have right now much of a football program in a stacked SEC. And, you know, I I, I know that there was – I misspoke in there, but he, he, he doesn't have an offer from them. So he does have an offer from Illinois, Minnesota, and Pitt. So, I mean, considering the fact that he hasn't had an offer from Vandy – is sad. It, I mean, Vandy. I don't know what they're doing over there, but uh, thank you. Um, we'll we'll gladly take a local product from Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> we'll gladly add him to our class because I think he's going to be a star. You know, you know, right now, I I think the tough thing about with seeing a quarterback commit like this is, you know, we already have Caden, we already have Nate. Why do we need? You know, the thing is right now. Being that they added two in one class in Caden and Nate, it makes the room look very, very, very crowded. And Hank Brown coming in is only going to make it a little bit more crowded. And that's a good thing because we don't know how anybody's going to shape up. I hope the best for all the guys this year. 
I have a feeling that you know after this year, you know you're, you're gonna you're gonna I mean not look too far ahead when Hank Brown steps into this room. You know you're gonna have a Caden Salter and Nate Nate Hampton both redshirt sophomores. Who knows how many snaps either of them have taken? And Charlie Brewer won't be on the team anymore. So he will use all of his eligibility. And JB, Jonathan Bennett, will be a senior. So that's going to be a very interesting room. I don't think at that point, especially if you find something out out of Nate and Caden, I don't know if you want to add a transfer. So I have a feeling that this might be the only quarterback in this year's class. Now, we're getting way too far ahead, but I like quarterbacks, one of my favorite positions to talk about in any sport. There's a reason why it's one of the most important positions in all the sports, if not the most important sport um, position in sport. Excuse me. I think that this is huge. Um, I, I just, I think he's going to get a lot more offers. Um, so beware of that, because recruiting doesn't stop until he signs on National Signing Day in December, or if he signs in February, I'm guessing he'll probably sign in December if he continues to choose Liberty um, and can be committed to Liberty. Uh, I think, you know, he's going to be kind of the pillar of this class. I mean, yeah, he's the most important position in football, whatever. You can go and talk about that. But if he ends up being a four-star quarterback he's really going to be a pillar of this recruiting class and you look at for examples around the country usually you know Alabama is your Texas is your because I say Texas because of how they just got Archer Manning and Georgia of how they went and got a guy like um uh Brock uh I forget his last name uh I mean you 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 like to recruit around your quarterback you like to get a quarterback early in your recruiting class so that way he can be kind of your leader of your class and then you can usually recruit even bigger time weapons uh big time big time weapons and you're going to be able to recruit players off of that you just it's it's very important to have a quarterback in your class early on in most cases. Now, last year, I think, was very, very interesting. I think the fact that it helped with having Caden come in and Nate came in, Caden was almost felt like he was a part of last, oh, this past year's class just because he came in so late. Yeah, he still was able to play, but he felt more like he was a part of this coming class um, in 2022 just because of the timing even though he still you know had to go out there and you know suit up for a few games and in the sense of he got to play uh, he got to play in the UMass game for example it just you know it really I think felt more like he was a part of this year's recruiting class coming in and then of course they had a Charlie Brewer who played at Baylor and then at Utah so you know it's very interesting whenever you get a quarterback. It just, it just, it, it just is. When you get a quarterback in your recruiting class, it changes things. And I know that I'm kind of rambling at this point, but I think it's it's a big deal the fact that we got Hank Brown. He's right now under the tutelage of former uh, 
NFL quarterback Trent Dilfer, who's the head coach of Lipscomb Academy out there in Nashville. And, man, he, I mean, I watched a little bit of this Hank Brown tape, and he's got a big live arm. And, again, I mean, I've already kind of addressed the other point that I wrote down. He adds depth to the room. And, man, I just I – just, I mean, if you would have told me coming into when I came into the Liberty in 2019 that this was the type of quarterback room and this is the type of recruits we're getting, it's bam. I can't even. I, I would. I, I just don't know what I would say to you. I'd be like, really, jeez. So, how fast we are doing this as a program is impressive, and it's been very fun to watch. So the next guy that we're going to talk about is Kale Grubb. He's a center out of Maryville, Tennessee. He's already good buddies with a current player on the team, Markel Fortenberry. They were um, high school teammates. He's a big dude, 6'4", 290. He's a three-star recruit. He might even become a high three-star, if not a four-star. Not kidding you. He could end up moving up, possibly. He's going to need another big year. Usually, linemen don't... Linemen don't see a lot of movements when it comes to star ratings. Usually they keep their star from the junior year um, is usually what happens. But I could really see him continue to rise up a lot of recruiting boards. But he's committed to us. So, and, you know, that's that's huge when it comes to the fact that, you know, again, verbal commitments, they do matter. But at the end of the day, you know, there's going to be a lot of battling going on. You know, he's already gotten offers from Duke, Ole Miss, Tulane, Virginia, USF, Cincinnati, Army, Coastal, and Air Force. Those are some big-time offers right there. And, you know, I think he's going to have more in the long run. If he continues to perform like the way he's been, you know, he's he's someone that, uh, man, he, I really like how he snaps his head uh, when he when he uh, he's able to, you know, snap the ball and really get into position. Um, it's it's you know very 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 good. He seems like he's someone who's very aware of the different uh, different techniques amongst the line. Uh, he just seems like a very very smart uh, leader, and that's what you need in a center. The center at the end of the day may not get paid the most on the offensive line when it comes to the NFL and such, but. They are essentially quarterbacking that line and helping make sure that there's different protections and different things are going correctly and, you know, make sure that the guards are aligned right. And, um, I mean, at the end of the day, he's the one who's snapping the ball and making sure that he delivers an accurate uh, snap to the quarterback and an accurate exchange. So having a big-time center like Kale Grubbs is huge. It's going to be huge to this team, and I'm very excited. And speaking of the big-time linemen, you know, I think this Taj Boyd, speaking of Taj Boyd, he's a former Clemson quarterback, this is not him. (laughs) He's coming from Oscar Smith out of the 757 area, the Norfolk area, Virginia Beach area, three-star recruit, 6'5", 315. Now I watched a lot of his tape. Uh, He right now has played mostly right tackle, but I think he has athleticism in the big body to move to left. And that's your money-making job right there. That's, you know, if you get very good at being a left tackle, you're going to make big bucks one day. So having a guy like Taj Boyd in here, man, it's it's going to be great for the development of a Hank Brown, um, 
depending how long Nate or Caden stay, I think Caden could end up being, um, and and Nate, I think they both could end up being pro quarterbacks. But either way, getting your left tackle for a Hank Brown in the same class is huge. Right now, again, he's playing right tackle. I don't know why he's playing right tackle. He seems to be an absolute beast and an absolute bully. Um, but they might right now, looking at the junior year uh, film, he might be just kind of stuck there because maybe the left tackle I didn't do any research on the rest of the team I know Oscar Smith is a very good Virginia football program coming out of the 757 area and I just know that this man's getting offers he's gotten offers from Pitt Maryland and Jackson State all I mean Jackson State right now with coach prime Deion Sanders has really been recruiting very well so the fact that he's getting recognized by a Jackson State is huge, and he's huge. <laughs> so having a big body like Taj on this team for the future is very important. So we got all the the, the guys out of the trenches out of the way in the sense of talking about them. We're going to move on to Jeremiah Shack, who's a wide receiver out of Jacksonville, Florida, goes to Mandarin. Three-star, I think he could be a four-star, though. Uh, this man's already gotten a ton of offers. He's 6'3", 191. It seems like he probably had a little bit more muscle to his frame just looking at him. But he's very speedy, very speedy receiver, big body. Um, he creates very good separation. So I'm, I'm, I, from what I saw on the tape, he's, he could be special. He could be a special talent for Liberty. And like I said, I think with the, with the different offers that he has with Coastal, App State, UCF, USF, and then you get into the big programs like Georgia, Michigan State, Mississippi State, Miami, Western Virginia, um, and I think I might have already said Georgia Tech, but those are, especially a Georgia and a Michigan State and Mississippi State, Miami too, those are all big time schools and you know, he wouldn't be getting recruited by them if he didn't have a potential to possibly even be a blue chip four star. And he's already right on that edge in the rating system. So I could see him being a four star as well. Him and Hank Brown alike. And then possibly a Kale Grubbs. If not even a who knows? I, I mean, these some of these guys are going to even move up with like a higher end three star. Um, I, I really do believe that. And speaking of a higher-end three-star, we're talking about Quentin Thomas, who's a wide receiver out of McDonough, Georgia. Three, he's a three-star right now, six foot, two hundred. Arkansas, Boston College, Eastern Carolina, East Carolina, rather University, uh, Georgia Tech, Middle Tennessee State, Troy Vandy, and West Kentucky all offered him. And again. Another great wide receiver to add to this class. Right now, I think this wide receiver room is very, very stacked. But it's get they're going to get older. Um, by the time next year, who knows if we'll have Demario Douglas on the team? Demario's, I think, got a possibility, very high possibility, of leaving for the draft if he has another great year this year. And I think he could get drafted very high. C.J. Yarborough should be back, be back, and so should Noah Frith. But Caleb Sneed's getting older. C.J. Daniels, he's a, he'll be a he'd be a junior redshirt redshirt junior next year. And right now he's dealing with injuries. 
I think he's. I think personally, I think C.J. Daniels is one of the most underrated football players on this team. I don't think he gets enough credit, but you know. And I think Quinn Thomas reminds me a lot of C.J. Daniels. Um, so, kind of just kind of showing you a little bit of an idea of what some of these guys look like that committed to this team. It's it's very very incredible um, to see these guys commit. Uh, and I'm going to move on to the next one before we move on to the uh, last recruit um, of 2023, and then we'll talk about another recruit here in a second. So Cameron Shanks, he's got the nickname Speedy. He's 5'9". He's out of Prattville High School in Alabama. Jacksonville State, Tulane, UAB, and Southern Miss offered him so far outside of Liberty. When Those are like the key ones. And, you know, he's got the nickname Speedy for a reason. This guy is fast. You want to talk about a guy who's got the possibility of being another DeMario. It's it's looking like Cameron Shanks. And I think that's why, you know, that's that's what – Hugh Freeze, I feel like he's trying to build this team to be, you know, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, outside receivers, slot guys in the middle who are just burners, absolute burners. And, you know, they got a guy like DeMario Douglas right now. But, you know, like I just – preface before he's got a lot of experience on his belt and if he has another great year this year there's a there's a good chance that he could leave um i don't know what next year's wide receiver draft looks like but i i think demario douglas is a pro talent so and that's huge for this program for a guy like cameron shanks he can see that and say i want to be another demario douglas i want to be what he was for this team for multiple years and he's built just like him and you know I'm, I'm excited to see him come in next year um, you know these commitments are just so exciting so moving on to the defense Olin Robinson linebacker from Covington Georgia three star six foot one 220 some key offers App State EMU uh, as in Eastern Michigan, Tennessee, and West Virginia. He get two big-time offers in Tennessee and West Virginia, and I would even include App State. App State, I mean, they're a powerhouse in the G5 uh, range, so they've been consistently very good. So, I, I mean, if you get offered by a very high-end, uh, you know, G5 school, you're already a very good recruit, but if you're getting offers by, like, Tennessee and West Virginia, you're getting looked at. So very excited to have him in this class. Great verbal commit uh you know he just adds to it and i mean honestly liberty's kind of been lacking on the linebackers uh coming out of high school at least i mean they've had ahmad walker back in 2020 at uh, 2021 excuse me and then in 2022 this year's class they have jordan norwood coming out of um Baylor christian in colorado so uh, you know they've had one and then they will add like a transfer or a JUCO like Mike Smith Jr. this year. However, you know, getting a guy like Olin Robinson early on in this class is huge. And having a very good linebacker um, to add to it. I know that they also had Casey Seegers, who, you know, has now developed into a defensive end rather than a linebacker. Um, so I think throughout the years, Liberty's weakest position has been linebacker in the sense of recruiting wise. I I I would like to see them recruit more than one linebacker a year. That's why I say that this past year was good because they got Mike Smith Jr. 
getting a Mike Smith Jr. was huge. Now they add, in this year's coming class, an Olin Robinson, which is great. I want to consider, continue to see, you know, two linebackers class is what I believe in. I know Hugh Freeze might have other ideas of what that looks like. I mean, I guess you could count 2022 or 2021, rather. It was Ahmad Walker, but you also had Story Jackson, and you had uh, you had some other guys that were kind of transitioning into a linebacker role. And then this year, that you're going to have a transition from defensive end to de- to linebacker, will linebacker, to be more specific, in Akil Washington. So. It's been very interesting to see Liberty recruit the linebacker position. So getting a guy early like Owen Robinson is going to be a game changer. It's going to really help start um, a little bit more depth at the linebacker. And maybe you rely less on moving players or converting players and you're able to get some of that. So... You know, guys that are in their true position. So it, it's been an interesting recruiting class so far. I'm interested to see what other guys they add to this team. I think they need to start going a little bit more on the defensive side, hopefully. I'm sure they're recruiting tons of different guys, especially at the safety and corner position, as a lot of those players are either getting older like uh, you know, Javon, Javon, he's in his last year and, you know, adding guys, you know, look, it's still in the transfer portal. It, it, it's, it's very hard to kind of like judge a recruiting class right now because, you know, it, I mean, yeah, you're going to add players through high school that are going to be true freshmen, but with the t- transfer portal, you just don't know who's going to be added next. And, where they're going to look and who's going to transfer out and it's it adds a whole different dynamic so I don't want to go too further but that builds into a perfect segue into the next segment of a guy who was formerly committed to Virginia Tech just down the street in Blacksburg about an hour and 20 minutes away from Lynchburg Virginia Rashad Purnell defensive tackle and they just I mean uh, before we even get into this guy they just add another big-time defensive lineman. That's, I mean, uh, we're getting used to this at this point. This past year with Dre Butler, and they also added a guy from from Stephen F. Austin in the FCS levels. His name is Dennis Osejid. I think I'm saying that right. Defensive tackle, who I believe is a redshirt senior this year. So that was a nice add. He was very good at Stephen F. Austin. So having him come to Liberty's huge. And then they get a Rashad Purnell, 6'4", 250, from Highland Springs in Richmond, Virginia, who had offers from Colso, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Minnesota, Maryland, Pitt, West Virginia, and Old Dominion to put a little bit of key offers out there. I'm very excited to have another guy like that come in. He's, you know just another add to this big time defensive line that just seems to get better every single few months it seems like they add someone that just continues to bulk up this defensive 
he was kind of an out of the blue grab and I just I'm excited to have him on the team we'll see where this where he lands and to the depth chart and I mean I'm I'm excited continue the bulk up this defensive line I think this defensive line might be the one of the deepest in the entire country if not one I mean I think it's just looking over and reading through a lot of this it might be the deepest in the group of fives the amount of top end talent and potential on this team is just crazy I, I mean uh, Darrell Johnson Jay Sean Clark just amount of experience on this team is it's uh, Kendy Charles it's just it's crazy it's crazy so I'm very excited with this team we're going to move on to the game previews next man uh, I know that was a nice good 25 minutes about talking about these commits but there was a lot that I wanted to go over there's just a lot of hope and a lot of recruiting you know news that it's just I don't think it's going to stop and I think as Liberty fans we need to continue to get used to these recruits choosing us over power five teams and I mean we'll get to an episode about that where I don't even know if there's going to be a power five anymore however you know you're talking about being amongst your Virginia Techs and your UVAs and your Pitts and Maryland and they're picking Liberty West Virginia too so you know we're going to move on move on to the game previews after this break so we'll catch it on the flip side And we're back. We're going to start the game previews of the first two games of the year. Just go a little bit over there. Some of the big games coming up, any type of pass they had with Liberty, how they kind of rank among some of the preseason rankings in some of these magazines. I purchased Athlon um, Sports Mag and the Lindy Sport Mag, preseason college football mag. Some key games that they're going to play this year, some key players, and what kind of they expect out of them. We're going to open it up with at Southern Miss, the uh, first game of the season, September 3rd, 7 p.m. kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. Very, very excited for this game. This is probably, it might be the most important game of the year. And you may say to me, well, what about the home games that are being promoted to, you know, hike up those season tickets and BYU and Virginia Tech and I mean, heck, even UAB. Well, this game matters a lot because for three different reasons. I think it's really cool to be able to play former offensive lineman coach of Liberty's now offensive coordinator at Southern Miss, Sam Gregg. Be interesting because he's going to be able to 
understand and know the type of players we have. He already has a relationship with us, and he's going to be able to understand the offensive line that we have outside of a few transfers, of course. But he'll also be able to get an idea of Coach Hugh Freeze's offensive style just in general. So, and some of his tendencies. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Number two, I think it's huge because of the conference realignment. They left Conference USA. Liberty's headed to Conference USA. And unlike the second game that we'll be talking about with UAB, these guys left early and they left for the Sun Belt that didn't offer Liberty. So I think this is a huge game to make a statement, especially the first game of the year on the road against a team that, honestly, their fan base has been the loudest out of all the teams that are leaving the Conference USA. They just, they, they have been. I've seen it on Twitter. I've seen it on a lot of different social media sites of this fan base. They got a very fat, passionate fan base. And the interesting part is Hugh Freeze went to Southern Miss. And they kind of, I mean, they still have some players on that team that came here in Lynchburg 2020 and watched Malik have the best game of his career. I think his best game of his career was against Southern Miss. When you talk about how he just made it look so easy, it was against Southern Miss. And I watched that in person because I was working for the uh athletic department at the time at Liberty so I was able to go to that game because I was working for tickets and it was man they really kicked their butt they embarrassed them now I know that they were going through some different things and you know they didn't have their current coach and you know you can make up all the excuses you want but they blew them out and yeah, there was a little bit of a comeback there that made it, the score seem a little bit closer than it was. But Malik had seven total touchdowns, 400 total yards, and he just was – he was ridiculous. He was ridiculous. So, you know, I don't know. It, I, I'm very excited for this game. Right now they got Coach Will Hall out there. He's He seems like he's doing a very, very solid job of – what he has to kind of rebuild this program and I mean if there is a rebuilding in the sense of I don't know if they've ever really been super good um you know so but they are trying to make them at least back to a solid team that can compete every week rather than getting their butts handed to them and right now the preseason rankings are not really favorable to them you know, Athlon Sports ranks him at 103, along with Lindy Sports at 103. And Athlon Sports also gives him a 4-4, four, four, um, uh, lose uh, four wins, four losses in the Sun Belt the first year with a five and seven record. So just missing the bowl, bowl season. You know, key games outside of the LU, they got at Miami, Florida, right after Liberty, the following game, at Tulane, two weeks later, September 24th, another big game. Late in October, right before Halloween weekend, they got, or Halloween week rather, they got Louisiana, big time team. And then later in November, they go to Coastal. I think that might be their last game of the year, too. So they got some tough teams that they're playing. Those four, I think Tulane's going to have a decent team this year. Louisiana, 
is usually one of the better teams in Sun Belt. And I mean, they get them at home, but at Colso, I think Colso could end up being at the end of the day, at the end of the day, probably top three group of five team. Um, as much as that hurts to say, um, being a Liberty fan, but it's true. And then at Miami, I think will be another solid, solid team to play. I think Miami has a shot to finish maybe second or third in the ACC um, amongst Clemson and I believe Pitt as well. Um, and maybe even Wake Forest will be up there as well, which we'll play in Wake Forest. Obviously, we'll get to that um, in the, the coming episodes. Key players on this team, Frank Gore Jr., son of great running back Frank Gore, played for the Niners, the Bills, the Jets, uh to name a few, I think the Dolphins as well at one point. Um, you know, he last year this this offense was both so bad and so injury riddled at quarterback that they had to put him at quarterback in a wildcat position, and he threw, I believe, one or two touchdowns. And they ran the ball ninety eight percent of the time with him coming out of the wildcat and. I believe they won a game with that. So it's very interesting to see how, you know, they got a young freshman quarterback and Ty Keys coming in. We're going to be maybe okay at that position. So they're going to rely a lot on Frank Gore Jr. If they're looking for a wide receiver to step up, though, it's going to be Jason Brownlee. I think he's got a lot of talent. He hasn't shown him much, but um, I think he's he's going to be the leading receiver again. Josh Carr, who's the linebacker. This defense, I think, is going to be underratedly very solid. Like, I think the record won't show. I think because I think they'll they'll end up with less than five wins. I think they're going to end up with three or four. But I think this defense is going to probably. You know, we're th- we're thinking about one of the more gritty defenses in its first game of the year. Defenses are usually more prepared than offenses. This is, I think, this year's Troy game, where you're going on the road, first game of the year, and you're gonna play against a team that's very hungry. It's an early part of the year, obviously, first game of the year. It's gonna be interesting to see how they respond. And Josh Carr, who's a the leading tackler for loss, um, he's not the leading tackler in tackles, but tackles for loss and the leading sack leader. Um, and he's playing like a hybrid outside linebacker edge position. And then they also got Cameron Harrell, who's a star rover, who is the leading tackler. He is kind of like a Javon Scruggs type player where he's going to play that hybrid role of you know safety linebacker and you know those are kind of their two stars on defense he's someone that's going to be in at every play you know he's going to be the guy that you're going to have to look out for if you're whoever the quarterback is he seems like possibly their best player so that will be interesting but there's a lot of experience on this defense, so I don't know, you know, what the score is going to be. Right now, we're less than a touchdown road favorite. 
I know on most lines. So I'm hoping for a 14-point win. It wouldn't surprise me if they kept it close for a while. I think we're we're when it comes to talent on the roster, I think Liberty is miles ahead of Southern Miss. But that first game on the road, Southern Miss, hostile territory, is probably going to be a scorcher, even though it's at 7 o'clock at night. You're talking about 80 to 90 degrees. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how well we respond with the new quarterback and a kind of reworked offensive line with some losses that we've – I mean, we lost some key players on defense too. We don't know, you know, how our linebacking core is going to translate. Our defensive line has tons of experience, but, you know, you just never know in these types of games. So this game is very important, and it makes me a little kind of nervous um, leading up to it because I know we could and should blow them out. However, it's it's it could look like a 20, what was it, 21 to 14, I believe, score, Troy, 21-14, 21-7. Um, you know, I think it was 21-14, so... But moving on to the next game, UAB. This is the home opener, September 10th, 6 p.m. ESPN+. Plus. I will be there. Can't wait. Bill Clark, 49-26 at six years. But hold the phone. He retired. I think it was last week, year week before, one of the two. You know, really sad to see. He's got some health problems, apparently, is what the – Source said he was a great coach. I don't know if he'll ever walk onto the field again as a coach, but this changes the game for Liberty. Bryant Vincent, who's a once offensive coordinator, I don't know if he'll continue to call plays. I'm guessing he will, is now going to be the interim head coach. And this changes the game for Liberty. Like I said, I think UAB is going to be a top five group of five team. When, when it comes to talent-wise um, and experience, too. like There's a lot of unknowns with Liberty, and I think Liberty has more talent than UAB, but they got UAB's got more chemistry because they've been together for a longer time, and they have an established quarterback right now who started last year and who played decently well. Right now, Athlon Sports has them 64, but Lindy Lindy's thinks he, they are 77, which is behind Liberty. Liberty's floating around both of those rankings around in the mid-70s, along with ESPN FBI's. Right now, Athlon Sport has, Sports has UAB going 9-4 and 6-2 and in the Conference in conference USA. I'm guessing UTSA being one of those losses. And last year, they played against each other. Liberty hung, well, they didn't play that great. Let's just say that. The first half was pretty pretty meh um but then they came out in the second half Malik went off 36-12 it was their home opener of their brand new stadium protective life stadium I believe is the name where they're hosting USFL games at right now well not anymore because now they're at Cannes because it's in the playoffs and championship but I am excited to see this game this this game is probably the game that I honestly look most forward to. Like, I'm really excited about PYU and Virginia Tech, but, like, the home opener is always, like, my favorite part of every football season. 
And the reason why is because it's usually very warm out. It's got, you know, you're talking about, you know, you're talking about high 80s, 90s. It's beautiful out for most of the day. It cools down around that six o'clock kickoff, which is Liberty's favorite kickoff time for their home games, especially early on in the year. And it's just, it's going to be a lot of fun to see a quality team like UAB come into Liberty. And I mean, the casual fans aren't going to think much of it. And we've had some arguments and about in the past, and I've said on Twitter, I, when we talk about quality, yeah, it's quality. But for a casual football fan, you know, qual- Liberty really hasn't played very many casual college football fan teams this entire time. They may played a big Syracuse, you know, at home in 2019, but and I think that right now is the best attendance record right now is the Syracuse game, at least in the new stadium with the remodeling and in the FBS. I don't think Syracuse is that quality of a team. They're a power five team that should be a group of five team in football football terms. And, you know, a Virginia Tech, you know, this year's gonna be really exciting. Um, but I mean, in the 2020, I don't really didn't really consider them quality because I again they had a lot of injuries, a lot of COVID stuff, they and they just seemed all out of sorts. I think you know Liberty right now has only played two really quality high end football teams. In you know, I mean, maybe BYU on the road since 2020. Let's just say that. I mean, I, I think it's been. Ole Miss and then NC State in 2020. So, and Ole Miss last year. So, this year we got probably five or six of them. Um, four of them for your casual fan your BYU, Virginia Tech, um, Wake Forest, and Arkansas. And I mean, I don't even think most people who don't watch college football religiously know that Wake Forest is so good and they got one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. And you know, I just don't think people realize that. Um, they're going to see the ranking, but they're not going to really understand. They're going to be, oh, I didn't know Wake Forest was good. You know, I, for the average college football fan that are, you know, you know, doesn't pay attention to every game, they're probably thinking, oh, I thought UNC and UNC and NC State were the only teams that were any good in North Carolina. So, out of the Power Fives, at least. So, with that being said. Um, not to get too on a much on a bunny trail, you know they 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 played them tough till the first half was um, over, and then the second half comes around and they just ran them over. Like it was, it felt good though. They needed to beat UAB like that. It, I think it gave them a very good boat of confidence, and um, I believe that game was right after the Syracuse game, so that that helped with some momentum. Uh, the key games outside of LU, whew, they got some uh, tough ones. Uh, September 17th, they open up with Georgia Southern. I know that this isn't that flashy when it comes to – seems like Georgia Southern has regressed, but they just recently hired Clay Helton. People are like, well, Clay Helton, Clay Helton. Oh, oh, USC? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they recruited very well with Clay Helton this first first recruiting cycle with Clay Helton and Clay Helton obviously came in late because he was fired from USC and he got hired I believe in December for Georgia Southern so he didn't have much time to build especially with the first signing period being in December and you don't have much time to establish connections and 
you're probably not going to pull very many people away from USC if they already committed to USC or signed at USC. So now you're looking at, you know, a team that is formerly of the triple option, your wing T, whatever you want to call it, offense, now is moving to more of a spread multiple system in Clay Helton. So I think this is very interesting. I think Georgia Southern is one of the most interesting teams in football. I've always thought their uniforms were really cool. I like their old school uniforms. Growing up a Penn State fan, I obviously like blank helmets. I think blank helmets are really cool. I like your throwbacks with just a number. Um, Don't really care for Alabama's (laughs) old school just because I'm sick of seeing them everywhere. But, um, you know, I'm interested to see how this game – especially after they follow up with Liberty um, in the sense of they play Liberty first in the home game and then they follow up uh, with Georgia Southern after Liberty um, is a better word to say it. Um, October 22nd at Western Kentucky. This game's huge because, and I had it on because I think Western Kentucky can be one of the flag bearers, the 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 staples the high-end you know football program in the future conference usa when liberty and southern i mean uh sam houston state jacksonville state new mexico state move the conference usa i think that's huge and it's at west kentucky it's probably the last time that they're going to play each other for a while i'm i'm excited to see how that turns out and of course i'm cheering for western kentucky our future conference mate so i'm excited to see that game uh UTSA, November 5th. UTSA, I think, is going to run this conference. They have one of the best, best, excuse me, one of the best quarterbacks in all of football, let alone group of five. I think he's number two behind Grayson McCall, in my opinion, um, out of all the group of five quarterbacks. And then they, of course, had to play their 1P5 game of the year at LSU, November 19th. I think that could end up being... Depending on how LSU's season go, you might be seeing LSU on upset watch. Depending on what time it is, you could see that being a 12 o'clock, 11 o'clock central time uh, kickoff. (laughs) And you might see UAB upset an LSU. They have the players with it. They have the offense that's very run-oriented, and we're going to get into that. Dylan Hopkins, quarterback, returning, went 155 for 235, excuse me, last year, 2,274 yards, 18 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. I think he's going to improve because I believe he was a sophomore last year and he's a junior this year. And then they have a very, very, very talented running back in Dwayne McBride, 1,300 yards, about 1,370, exactly 1,371 yards, 13 touchdowns, five 100-yard rushing performances. Uh, They got a very good running game and a solid offensive line on the offensive side. And then with their defensive key players, they got no Wilder, no Wilder uh, from middle linebacker. He's a middle linebacker. He's a four-year starter, leading tackler on the team last year. I think he's, again, going to make an impact, um, especially after they lost uh, Wright, who I believe it was Wright, Wright, who was their defensive end. They got drafted in the 2022 NFL draft in the third round. Keandre Swoops is a very talented safety rover star player. Um, again, kind of like Javon Scruggs, very talented. He also could see the NFL in the future as well. So, you know, you're talking about a very quality home opener to a lot of Liberty students. They're not even going to know that UAB was anything. 
because if you think about it, what, four or five years ago, they didn't even have a football program. And then, you know, they had a big turn turnaround and have Bill Clark really built up this team. He was with the team through the, the, the transition period of not having a program to before um, they decided to not drop the team. I mean, decided to drop the team. Excuse me. So now not having Bill Clark is crazy. It's 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 hard to think. When I saw the news, I'm sad that it didn't get as much news as sh- as it should have because he's a very important part to college football. He's you know he's done something that not many people can say. You know they went essentially what could have been you know, even though it wasn't the death penalty. But if you think about with the death penalty with like SMU, SMU took many years to recover after they had the likes of Eric Dickerson on their team. Now you look at UAB who just literally just said, we're going to drop the football program. And now they're one of the best teams in the group of five. So, and I think UAB can beat a few different SAC teams. It wouldn't surprise me if if they're playing at the top of it. Um, I got obviously a Vandy. Like I said, I think they have a chance of beating LSU, and LSU's going to be improved this year. Um, I think with the defensive side, I don't know about the offensive side because they're looking between Miles Brennan and I think uh, I think Jaden Daniels. I think transferred there from from Arizona State. So it's going to be very interesting to see how all this develops with UAB. I'm, I'm personally, you know. Because UAB didn't lose leave for Sunbelt, and I don't blame them if they leave from Conference USA to American. I mean, I really don't. Like, that's more money in their pockets. Um, But I I, I mean, the cool thing is that also makes more money for Liberty, too, because they're leaving the program, Uh, leaving the conference. I I wish that they were staying in the conference. But, you know, UAB is kind of one of those teams that I've always never disliked. they're a feel-good story with, like I said, the turnaround, and they're kind of an American, the the American conference conference team that I would probably cheer for in the future. Um, and who knows what the future looks like for college football? We're gonna have a whole episode about that next week, and we'll probably we'll have an episode that kind of combines between that and the two game previews of Wake Forest and Akron. And if in, if there's any other news of commitments. We'll, of course, talk about that as well. But I want to wrap this up with non-transfer and non-freshman and non-quarterback breakout player of the year. So we're not going to go and talk about quarterbacks. We're not going to talk about the people who have transferred in. We're not going to talk about the people who are freshmen in the sense of incoming freshmen for the breakout player of the year on offense. I think this guy is going to be my breakout player of the year regardless. And it's TJ Green, running back who came from Utah last year. Had a very good year last year. Had a very good rav, uh, run average in the sense of carries, uh, yards per carry. And he, I think it was floating around like six or seven. And I think he's got the most high-end talent on this offense right now that isn't a quarterback. I really do. I, I think he was underutilized last year. I was very upset at times when he wasn't used and used – uh, Josh was Mac was overused um, in certain situations because man he could if he hit a hole correctly and he found the right cut that that man was gone 
He and he would he was a big playback and could I mean so was Shedra Lewis, but this man played his heart out and ran his heart out every single time he touched the ball. And I think that this year he could really make a name for himself. I don't think that um, I think he's a junior this year. So I don't think that he will necessarily be a high-end draft pick, but I think he could sneak in the sixth or seventh round if he has a very good year because I think he's a better receiving back um, than what he's shown. Um, He's got that body type to be a very good receiving uh, back, and he's got very good hands and uh, I think that if we use him more in the screen game, we just use the screen game more often, especially with running backs, I think he could take advantage of it. Same thing with Shedrill. I haven't seen enough of Day-Day in the screen game and receiving game to kind of judge on how he is as a receiving back, even though I think he's going to be very good at running. You know, it's a loaded backfield, so of course you're going to be having some troubles with trying to get everybody a care, uh, some carries, and um, you don't, you know, you, I think the toughest thing about with that too is getting running backs into rhythm, because I believe that if a running back's in rhythm and he's playing very well that game, yeah, you can change the pace, but you have to do it very strategically because you don't want to want to break that rhythm. But you also want to keep legs fresh, so at the same time, you don't want to overwork your running backs either. So it's a very interesting strategy. I want to just talk about some other offensive players. Noah Frith, C.J. Daniels, Shredder Lewis already mentioned, J.V. and Lofton, and Jerome Jackson. I, I, I'm not going to talk about the linemen because I think the, this line is very solid, and I don't really know if you can really have a breakout player um, on this line because there's only two returning players. There's... Um, Tristan Schlittler um, and then Jacob Bodden are more than likely going to be the two returning offensive linemen that will be starting week one and hopefully for the rest of the year. Um, Schlittler has already proven himself as a very good right guard and Bodden has developed himself as a very solid left guard. So I'm not you know, going to even speak on them. So I want to talk a little about Frith. Frith has struggled um, with injuries most of his career. So that's been frustrating to watch. C.J. Daniels already mentioned early on in the podcast that uh, you know he's someone who's been I think I think a little bit overlooked. I think you know right now with him having the I believe the ACL injury is going to possibly prevent him from coming uh, uh, playing with the team um, early on. So that's very frustrating. But he had two very I mean his freshman year. 2020 was very solid um when he got his chances he made them and then last year i think he was fantastic i think he was possibly the second best receiver on the team next to demario and he just played his heart out so i am very excited to see how both of those guys end up and then of course with jv and often he's another guy who's just injuries He'll come in and he'll have, like, I think he scored a touchdown against Campbell um, last year. I think it was the first touchdown of the game. And, you know, he was MI for, for the most of the rest of the year because of injuries. And it's it's been very frustrating to watch because I, I believe he's very talented and, you know, there's nothing really at that point he can do when he's injured. Um, and it's not his fault. I think at this point it's just been he's been unlucky, just kind of like with Frith. Um, they're both very good receivers with a lot of talent. 
and I'm happy to see that JV and Lofton stayed. I always, I always like to talk about the guy because I think he's he's someone who's um, I, whenever I hear him speak about in the, in, the, in the press conference, he seems like a very wise young man, and he seems very very smart um, uh, on the football field and knows what he's doing. And he's got some talent. So it's been frustrating to see him have to struggle through that. And I think the same thing could be said for Frith. Um, I'm hoping, you know, despite of how deep we are, you know, I would like to see some of these guys stay healthy and be able to perform because they can do it. They just got to have, you know, some things go their way on the on the physical side. So we'll see. Um I'm very excited for them, and I hope the best for them. I believe just as lo- this is Javian Lofton's last year to be able to prove it too, and you know if he can stay healthy, I think he will. Uh, uh, Jerome Jackson is my last um, notable mention. Um, he's tight end, so now without Johnny Huntley on the field and without um, I think it was Trevor Hobbs as well who left. Um, you know this is still a very deep tight end room you can have Austin Henderson come in from Minnesota Bentley Hanshaw come in from BYU both very large targets Jerome Jackson I believe is only 6'2 so he's a little bit uh, shorter than those guys but he's a very good tight end when it talks about he's a he's he's a he's a traditional tight end he's someone who can catch the football he's had some inconsistencies but I think he's continued to develop and continue to improve and I think he's got a very very reliable uh blocking ability him and michael bollinger seem to be you know they're you know your six offensive linemen you know essentially and bollinger's more of an h-back so he can play a little bit of fullback and i'd like to see a little bit more of that you know uh you know jackson and bollinger you know more on that you know goal line situations and um, you know, with the Charlie Brewer, you're not, I mean, he's an athlete, but you're not going to have as much of a running threat as, per se, of a Malik or even a Caden Salter. However, I think, you know, utilizing Jerome Jackson down there like they did against, for example, Troy, where they had a little bit of like a jump pass of an RPO to Jerome Jackson, I think he could be utilized in those type of situations instead of just doing a quarterback power. I know that you're relying on Malik Willis last year. And my goodness, 99% of the time, he's probably the best player on the field, um, if not guaranteed. However, I wanted to see a little bit more of those RPOs in the red zone to a Jerome Jackson or last year like a Huntley. And I think now this year they'll have more size with Hanshaw and Henderson. And I don't know if Tegan Martin's going to be ready, who's going to be an incoming freshman, but utilizing that those guys and I think that's going to be important. So, yeah, that's a nice uh, uh, wrap-up of possible breakout player of the year on the offense who's non-transfer, non-income freshman, and non-quarterback because I think we talk a little bit too much about the quarterback battle. Um, But, uh, of course, that should be talked about because it's very important and it's uh, very interesting and significant and relevant. Uh, You can use any type of adjective or um, whatever to describe it, but I'm excited for the season. I'm glad to be back. Glad to get a re- podcast recording in. It's the third of July. Gonna put this together. Uh, please subscribe. Follow me on Twitter, FDF Football Pod. 
uh, Instagram, trying to get that a little bit more relevant as well. So if you feel like it, give me a follow on there as well. Twitter's probably more and more, more of my prominent uh, social media platform. I also have Facebook as well, Fan the Flames Football Podcast. Check out my YouTube channel. Give that a subscription. Um, the, all the links which should be in the links below in this Spotify, whatever podcast you're listening to. Um, I hope you've had a great 4th of July. This will actually come out on the 4th of July, I believe. Um, I'm going to put this together tonight. So if you're listening to it now, to it now um, hopefully on the 4th of July, uh, you get to hear this. And um, thank you again for listening. Hope you have a safe weekend. God bless. Fan the flames. Fan them. Rise with us. Whatever you feel like is best suited for you. Thank you.